When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bar Steelers Premier League podcast. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. <laughs> Any happy returns? Yeah, no, it's a happy Christmas for the, the men on the podcast this week between United's and Liverpool wins. But first of all, the first minute of the meeting, as we're getting into the festive spirit, is Liverpool absolutely hammering Crystal Palace. Now, this may come across as poor preparation for the podcast, but because of college work, I didn't bother to watch this one. But you obviously did. Was it a seven nil game? Fill me in. I, I, I didn't actually get the project because I had something to do on Saturday. But I did watch the extended highlights, so I did Ooh, come. Oh, extended! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to make sure. I wanted to make sure because I have been called out for this in the past. Elected um, crosses and, and stuff, and it's like, why is that a highlight? <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid. Um, yeah, I thought we were very good. Minamino getting his first Premier League goal for the club a year after he signed for us. Very, very happy for him. I, I think everybody likes Minamino. Um, lovely guy. Um, Firmino back in the goals. Firmino's actually got more goals than Varane this season, as does Tammy Abraham now after last night, I think, too. So, mm. um, Firmino back in the goals, league goals, league goals, <laughs> play down goals, on, yeah. yeah. Um, Salah scored a great goal. Tech first goal was actually decent as well because it probably came out quite fast. Yeah, all around, very good play, even Naby, like. Everyone had a good game. Naby Keita was very good in the midfield. He'll probably be injured again in two weeks, but Sherlock, that's Naby Keita for you. Um, he kind of has a six-week cycle of coming back, playing well for two games, getting injured, then going back into training. Uh, overall, very, ha- very happy with the performance. Uh, to be fair, um, the halftime score was very harsh on Palace. Palace were, were very good for half an hour in the first half there. After we went 1-0 up, Minamino, uh, after Minamino was cool. Um, Palace caused us quite a few problems, but then once Palace we got the, the second. Definitely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, once uh, Mane got the second, it was kind of just, you know, it was just domination from there. Yeah, like I was quite impressed with Jordan Ayew for Palace. Like he got in behind us nicely a few times. He exploited Fabinho's like 
positioning weaknesses in the game. I think Fabinho looked quite awkward in a few instances. You know, you'd want a natural centre back in there, but Matt have cleaned it up all right. Like Palace should have had a few better passes in the end, but they were picking silly things like Trent and Van Holder were going at each other's throats at one point. You know, very careful both parties not to get a red card. Like they just didn't move their heads at all. But just silly stuff like that was uh, drawing the game out for Liverpool and not doing Palace any justice. But uh, yeah, it's the first time Roy Hodgson's been beat seven in, in his career. So uh, yeah, a lot of firsts this game week. Yeah, from watching the game back itself, I couldn't believe that it was it was seven. Like, because I'm pretty sure Liverpool only had, I think, eight shots on target. Yeah. yeah. So that sh- that should be about three, four goals. So I felt quite bad for Palace. It was really weird. though. Palace were when we were four 0 up. Palace kept on attacking like it was we were one 0 up, or it was nil all mm. or something. It was really weird. It was like, I think you said that to me before at the time Liverpool lost five 0 to City after Mane got sent off. We kept on attacking City like we still had 11 men. We only had 10. And I suppose from Paz's point of view, they're trying to maybe get lowered our goal difference. But the last three goals all came from counter-attacks when... Uh, I think most goals came from counter-attacks. But the last three goals all came from counter... Straight from counter-attacks um, from Paz being in our half. It was, it was really weird that they kept on attacking like they did when they were four or five goals behind. It was a couple of really nice goals as well, which like Salah's outside the box, the second one anyway, Henderson's outside the box, just anything that could go wrong for Palace. Actually, did. I thought I, my favourite goal from the match was actually the Firmino first one. Yeah. Because that, that ball out by Firmino to Robertson was beautiful. And the ball the back. And the ball back was, and a great touch as well. So it's just a wee toe poke, just yeah. edge of passing, yeah. Yeah, but his first touch to get it out of his feet was like. brilliant. Yeah, really good. And Firmino has actually been playing well the last few weeks. Ever since we started calling him shit on this podcast, he's decided to come back. And I think that's I the think cycle any, of things, isn't it? Anytime I call someone shit on this podcast, they go off and start doing well. <laughs> right, so then going on to the next one. Right, again, it seems like we're doing the exact same podcast every single week. Arsenal, what is going on? They've lost again. This is absolutely absurd. Another dreadful performance, and you just knew it was going to happen. You just knew it was going to happen, didn't you? They were probably a wee bit unlucky at the end um, that they didn't get something out of the match. Um, overall, they deserved to lose, obviously. But towards the end, I Pickford made a bad mistake where David Luiz hit the post. A lot of people saying Pickford's been better recently. He's still making mistakes. He's just getting away with them because he got away with one against Chelsea as well. Yeah, but like even the Willock chance at the end, the header, you should be putting that on target. I don't know, maybe it was a bit too high from our game fast or whatever. Yeah, I Everton are quite good. So. Yeah, but this is the issue. It's like Everton, it's not as if this was Burnley at home where you had a, a slight feeling Arsenal might lose. This this was Everton away and you knew you were going to lose. I'm pretty sure we all predicted Everton to win. I certainly predicted 2-1 uh, in the prediction leagues. We'll get to that later. But Likewise. Yeah, and like if Everton's starting 11 and the manager are better than Arsenal's, that's that's a real, real problem. And it doesn't really get any easier because in the League Cup, I think yeah, I think it's tonight they've got City in the League Cup. And League Cup, maybe you're not going to get sacked on the basis of that. But it's not going to help. And then on St. Stephen's Day, or Boxing Day, on the 26th, they've got Chelsea. So that could easily be another two losses. And although I don't think Arteta should get sacked because he's working with muck I wouldn't be surprised actually I would be surprised if he doesn't over the next couple of games 
It's just it's really weird because like like you're saying, um, Everton have a better manager and squad than Arsenal. Arteta and Ancelotti were were announced the same weeks by Ever- uh, Arsenal and Everton. As I, like even at the time when they were announced, I was like that that should be the other way around. Our, Arsenal should be the ones going for Ancelotti and Everton should be getting Arteta. Uh, but like it shows with the Arteta money. <laughs> yeah, with the Arteta money. <laughs> um. But I, I think that just shows two two clubs that are kind of just going in different directions at the minute. Like that that was, I know Ancelotti could have backfired because they start spending a lot of money on Ancelotti. Um, he's on two hundred thousand a week, and they spent a lot of money on Richardson and that as well. A lot of people look at that and be like, "Oh, that's going to come back to bite them if they don't get Europe and that." But it looks like they're going to get Europe, like Europa League at least, and they're going to get money off that. And see, that's. It's two clubs with kind of different ambitions, whereas Arsenal getting in Arteta, some people are like, oh, they're trying to give it to someone who knows the club and that and has worked on the pep. And like, Build a project. If, I, if, I, if I'm Arsenal, I wouldn't be going for a new manager. If I'm Arsenal in the state that Arsenal are in, I'd be getting in someone tried and proven. I would be offering Ancelotti at 200000 a week if that's what he wanted, just to get... Because they, they gave Ozil a stupid amount of money and they've, give, they've given... I was about to say Gunnarsaurus there. Uh, Abamyang is a super amount of money as well. So why not just go and spend that money on, and I said 70 million Pepe, 48 million party, why not spend that money on a manager who's going to have better recruitment? Like you think if things were done differently, like say Ancelotti was at Everton, um, Arsenal would probably have Hamas, might have Hamas, Rodriguez and Dakuri and Alan and the likes. Like that would be a lot better squad than they have now. And, And Ancelotti would definitely get rid of some of the problem makers in there like Xhaka and David Luiz. See, I think it's they're damnedest to do, damnedest to don't because if you get in Ancelotti or a manager like him, an experienced manager who will cost a lot in wages, no doubt about it, he'll also bring expectation and, uh, you know, I don't think Ancelotti would be a success at Arsenal. I don't think one of those types of managers and Allegri would be a success because as I keep coming back to, their team is no good. But then if you've got Arteta and it's clear that he's inexperienced and maybe not good enough, then how do you keep him either? I don't see how any manager could be a success at Arsenal. And it's kind of why I think United shouldn't get rid of Solskjaer, because if we go and get in with Pochettino or something, the expectation ramps up, and I really don't think the conditions are there at United, or especially Arsenal, to be successful. Do you think they've pulled the trigger on hindsight way too quick on Emery? Look where he sits in the La Liga right now. He's fourth. Like oh, it was pretty miserable. <laughs> it was, but like he's an actual footballing manager, you know. And... Mm. No, I think I'd rather Arteta, but I can't be sure about that. Yeah, Emery wasn't. Emery wasn't great, was he? It was um, just radio and inspirational. At least with Arteta, with a young coach, there's there's some element of hope. <laughs> All he has is yeah. the presentation over Emery. Emery's got the greasy hair. Arteta's just. He's a top shot model, like ready to go. Um, one thing we were talking about just before we actually started the podcast there was Arteta seems to kind of have lost the plot this week. Just in oh, terms yes. of stats. Yeah, absolutely lost it. I said something to the group chat earlier. It was like Arteta said Spurs had a 7% chance of beating Arsenal. He was like, oh, last year we only had a 25% beating of Everton and we beat them. What the fuck's he talking about? What <laughs> metrics is he using? Because they don't sound what? correct. <laughs> what? How does he get 7%? Spurs having a 7% chance of winning at home when they're second in the league, 
to 15th place Arsenal. If, if, if he's saying it like off possession and shots, it was like, if you actually watch the match, what are you talking about? You just got dominated. Very strange. This is honestly part of the problem. Like, what metrics is he using? Like, you know, this this could be all part of the problem. There's some sabotage mission going on against him. Pep's been feeding him the wrong information. Right, so how long do you give Arteta, or do you think he should stay? I personally think he should stay, but I'd be surprised if he sees out till, honestly, New Year. Mm. If they drop into the relegation zone at all, he'll be gone. Because knowing mm. Arsenal fans, they will probably send pipe bombs to his house <laughs> <laughs> no harm like um, well for me the club hasn't put out that like obligatory pre-resignation statement that we back the manager we believe well, in the him, dreaded you know, vote of confidence the dreaded vote of confidence so that's a good sign and the Cronkies aren't willing to invest money and they don't want eyes on them so if they can keep eyes on him for the foreseeable I'd say yeah if they drop into relegation then he's in trouble but otherwise no Okay, so going on to the next game. This is a big result and a surprise one. Definitely nobody predicted this one was Leicester showing up at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which, by the way, they need to choose a name. You can't just keep calling it the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But they wrapped up to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the one 2-0. I think we all predicted a draw. So we are, we kind of thought Leicester could, could do something, but very surprised that Spurs couldn't score against that Leicester team. Yeah, it was a weird one. Serge Aurier in the first half, it was absolutely baffling why he did that. Also, it's absolutely baffling how he's Man. keeping uh, Matt Doherty out of the side. Um, I know Matt Doherty didn't exactly have a brilliant start at Spurs, but... Aurier has been very good recently, Ronnie. He's very good at Anfield. Uh, I don't like him. I was never he? have rated him. He was. Yeah. Well, I thought Manny yeah. kind of had him on toast, maybe to be expected. But look, um, at the end of the day, that Vardy goal, well, the... Alouer alone goal was very unlucky. Uh, Aurier moment of madness. That's fortunate. I know they, ne- they never looked like sp- uh, scoring Spurs. Well, Smigel had that force to save. Brilliant save. On. Yeah. Brilliant save. But they didn't look like scoring an open play. Like they backed off Leicester, which is really worrying. At home, when you're it's nil all, they completely backed them off and invited so much pressure after pressure after pressure. So I suppose the results to be expected, maybe. Yeah, the whole sitting back, that's the Mourinho terrorism coming into play. I've seen it, I've seen it far too often. And this is why Spurs will not win the league. They, they, they might well win like a League Cup or something under Jose because he loves trying in those competitions and then saying, look at me, I've won a trophy. He loves doing that. Again, I know this from United, the fact that we, we won the treble under him. Uh, but again, you said about that Alderweireldone goal. That reminded me, what was Suzuko doing for that goal? Yes, the Soko should have got the jump on him. He should have got the height He on was him. looking the complete opposite way and yeah. didn't jump. No, crazy. And we all know that Suzuko can head the ball without looking at it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forgot about that, actually. It's actually, Leicester and United seem to be having pretty much the exact same season. Unbelievable away from home. The two of them win every game away from home. And then at home, they're dropping points to weird teams like United losing 3-1 to Hallis, Leicester losing 2-0 to Fulham. It's just been really weird because like that, again, Leicester are now second in the league and I wouldn't have said they've been that good this season. Yeah. And then United, if they win their game in hand, they're two points behind Liverpool. And again, the general consensus is United haven't been that good this season. Um, And then the general consensus is that Spurs have been having a brilliant season. If City and Villa win their two games in hand, um, Spurs drop to eighth. It's just been, it's really tight up at the top, but like that, it's, the teams everyone's saying is are doing brilliantly, like Spurs, 
like they could end up being eighth, and then teams that people you know kind of don't think are playing that well, you know, United people, you know, you get knocked out of Champions League, kind of a disaster. They're, I don't think the title challenges, but a lot of people could argue. Well, you know, they're only two the points behind. Rest, maybe. Yeah, like, you know, you, I genuinely think, based off now. I wouldn't have said the start of the season, but I think United will probably end up finishing the top four. Yeah, it's weird. Last week, I obviously asked you where you thought Chelsea would finish. You all said fourth, and I said fourth. And the other three I would have had were obviously Liverpool. I think obviously Manchester City, because they're just, they're just way too good and generally consistent. And Spurs, because I think they've got a really good squad. And now I'm thinking, can United like finish second? Can they win the league if I didn't have them finish in top four last week? And generally speaking, I don't think I'm fickle, but I'm just really, really confused. Like the, the fact of the matter is, is that if United beat Burnley away in our game in hand, God knows when that is, by the way. We've been hearing about this game in hand for three months, which is honestly ridiculous because United and who United City, Burnley and Villa, we've all played a game less than everybody. And that's... That's kind of unfair for this long. Yeah, know? the optics of that aren't good, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I, that needs to get sorted out and played as soon as possible. Well, maybe after the Christmas period, it's going to be pretty mad. But uh, yeah, if you like win that, we're second. Two points behind Liverpool, the closest we've been to the top of the league at Christmas in, I think, since Ferguson left in eight years. And look, I, I'm not trying to say United are going to finish first, finish second, but... It's just been bonkers, and I think crazier things have happened. What's your what's your thoughts on a the game at the weekend? United six leads two could have been about twelve or four, and where do you think United can or will finish? Yeah, look, could I just touch on that one thing there? Can we start a conversation around City potentially not getting top four? Because we talked about Chelsea, we talked about Spurs, we talked about United. We no one ever mentioned City, and they're just creeping away in the back, you know, scraping out a decent one nil win against Southampton away, but it wasn't convincing. Mm. But yeah, that's just a side note, anyway. Yeah, the real yeah, meat no, and potatoes is. You're, yeah, you're right. Maybe I'm wrong to assume that that City will finish in the top four, but like it's just unthinkable. Guardiola, oh, yeah. that team. Could you imagine Guardiola in the Europa League? <laughs> The port on the bench. I'd actually well. be a crime against football. That I'm more happy than you believe. More happy than you believe. <laughs> oh god, oh, brilliant! Yeah, but Leeds, Leeds United versus Manchester United. Mix sauce. What What was your reaction to those to that brace? Come on, it's it's not fair. We start with us, you know. What were you thinking? Yeah, no, three minutes in, I was just, I was just kind of laughing. I was like, Mix sauce, two and three minutes against Leeds. I was loving life. <laughs> brilliant. He just burst into the box. really well as well. Yeah. Yeah. The second one was probably more impressive because you actually need a fair amount of technical ability to actually get that touch and then the shot with his weaker left foot. It, it was kind of, if you know what I mean, kind of Firmino-esque, you know, really technically sound and intelligent movements. Uh, you wouldn't think of that from was, McTominay. Was McTominay off the pitch when Bruno took the penalty? No, he was on it. He's raging. Oh, <laughs> that's... I hate Bruno for that. Uh, yeah, I was thinking of my FBL, man. Yeah, because... Like, <laughs> McTominay, good Scottish lad, so I don't mind him so much as a United player. That would have been nice to see a fucking number six getting a yeah. hat trick. Like there was a conversation on Sky, I think, or something after the game, saying this has really solidified his place. Some people calling for Bruno Pogba and uh, Van de Beek. Like who's calling for that? Football Twitter idiots. Like yeah, every one of these clowns on Twitter think you can have a back four, and then they're wondering. We've no protection of our back four. Why aren't the back four doing more? We need better defenders. And then they want 800 attackers to be fitted into the pitch. It's just 
clown behavior. You know, you need, you need to have valued servants like McTominay that just give you that bit of extra sauce. That's probably why, talking about City again, that's probably City have struggled defensively the last few years because Pep just signs 800 attacking midfielders every transfer window. They need to find a balance there. But speaking of balance in the midfield, McTominay and Fred started this game and that's absolutely my favourite two, uh, the United midfielders available to United because it just provides us a decent base off to work with because they're solid defensively, but if you need one of them to get forward, they can do that. Fred's technically good, McTominay is physically good and they're both capable of sitting back if the other one goes forward. And I think Fred McTominay is absolutely United's best midfield duo. I yeah, I probably would have said from like the whenever I do watch United, McTominay's probably quietly one of the most consistent players in that United team. Like I don't think I've ever seen him have a bad game. Or yeah. at least not seen him have a, a noticeably bad game, but obviously probably get some games where he just doesn't really do anything. But he's never noticeably lacking or missing in that midfield he's just reliable and you know you're going to get a shift from him you don't think you're going to get two goals in three minutes bursting through the midfield but generally speaking he'll sit there he'll work away he's absolutely tireless he's as strong as an ox and technically sometimes he can be he can be wanting a little bit if you need him to play passes forward maybe not your guy but it's a sacrifice willing to I'd be willing to take some answer because you just know what you're going to get from him. And with United in general, that's you, you need that because we are inconsistent. And you have attacking options as well to interchange with him if you're you know, playing a low block and you want to get that extra bit of attacking prowess. Like You can always switch him out for someone else. Yeah, Pogba, Van de Beek, anyone like that. Yeah, just touching on Leeds just a little bit in this match. Um, I don't think it's something to be overly concerned with. Because, to be honest, Leeds probably had a few chances to get back into that game. I know Bamford missed a really good chance at, was it 2-0? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they missed, they missed a heap of chances during that match. Like There was one where De Gea made a great save from Rafinha. I think it was Rodrigo played the ball into the match. Yeah. yeah. I think they were falling down at that stage, so they probably wouldn't have cut got back into it anyway. But they, Leeds could have easily scored four or five that game as well. Yeah. But on the other hand... Yeah, he could have scored nine. Melier pulled up a few very good saves. He was quite poor for the Dan James goal, in fairness. But he pulled up a few big saves, especially against Martial. It's, again, Leeds could have scored four or five, but United could have easily been near double digits. Yeah, and Dan James, right, really annoys me as a human being and a footballer, but he, it was a stroke of genius playing him by uh, yeah. Solskjaer. Like, I have to say, like Bielsa really covets Dan James as well. So he's putting him in the shop window as well. He's like, you want yeah. this? You want this? Um, but yeah, poor Rashi couldn't get in on the score. And, you know. Yeah, he played brilliantly. Uh, very surprising that United score six and neither Rashford or Martial gets one. And the both no played well. Either. Uh, Martial got two assists. No Rashford Rash. didn't. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he got any, but he was actually really good. And moving on to the penultimate talking point of the weekend, certainly that we feel is, I hate talking about this, it's it's kind of like the Arsenal, except it's closer to my heart. Sheffield United, they're, they're doomed. They looked like they had that win in the bag with 10 men, and they still couldn't quite close it out. Danny Welbeck got a late equaliser for Brighton, and it's hard to see a way out for Blades now, is it? I was, what, I was doing a few things, bits and pieces around the house, and I look at nil all uh, Leicester City Sheffield United then Jamie Vardy gets slid through 
with a jammy through ball, indicative of their season, and then also indicative of the Blade season. John Egan just bet for pace, head and hands moment. And this happens every week. My 1 0 Blades was on my prediction. Uh, I think Michael had something similar as well. Yeah. Uh, but oh, just tragic, really. And like, yeah, Brighton, we need to talk about Brighton as well. What a tragic football club that they can't muster a goal or two against this Sheffield United team at home when there are 10 men. Yes, this tragic Brighton team that Liverpool drew one always. Michael said this yesterday uh, when we were talking to each other. If Ray and Bruce are signed for Brighton, they'd win the league. Yeah. He could have went to Brighton instead of, (laughs) but they wouldn't be able to afford him. No. Andy Welbeck scoring goals in the Premier League again. That's that's always good to see. It is, yeah. Yeah. Football um, heritage. I didn't see much this game. I only saw the match of the highlights. Uh, like, even when Sheffield did end up conceding that equaliser, they did look like they were going to lose the game. I think Mopey hit the hit the crossbar after Brighton equalised. Yeah. I think I, that was Yahambash or someone. Yeah, someone. Fraudulent. If you look at, if you look at Sheffield, they lost to West Brom. They drew at Fulham. They're two, they're two games that they had to win. I can't see, and they didn't get a win against Brighton when they were one up, albeit they had 10 men. Who are they going to get points off? Like, even even Arsenal beat them. It's <laughs> Even Arsenal, yeah. But that was their season last season, Roman. They, they, you know, the three all against United at Bramall Lane, they nearly got it. They nearly snuck it. It was 3-2. But that's they're the nearly men. And they're playing so well. They're getting in behind Brighton time after time. They have no one finish off these chances now McGoldrick was playing better but they had to get rely on Big Bogle to get a goal like do you mm. know this is not ideal okay and then going on to the last talking points it happened just after we recorded the podcast last week but it's happened we put it up in an Instagram story and everything follow us on there Barstoolers pod Big Sam's back in the Premier League he's managing West Brom Unfortunately, his first game didn't really go well. The last 3-0 to Villa. But do you think Big Sam is a good appointment? Do you think he can keep them up? He's shown it everywhere else, but it's probably no. a bigger challenge than most with West Brom, isn't it? No. It, no this, sorry, this West Brom team's not good enough. Um, he's done it at pretty much every other club he's been to, but I don't think he's ever had a squad as bad as this one. Maybe he had... Uh, maybe that Sunderland team was worse. I don't think it was... Can't really think of who was in that Sunderland side. Yeah, I don't think it was worse than this. Well, like I honestly, I can't even sit here and tell you who's in that West Brom team. And actually, just going like a tiny little side note, we have not talked about Newcastle once on the podcast this year. They're not <laughs> a real football club. No, they haven't been in the fo- they haven't been in the Premier League this season. Callum Wilson apparently has eight goals from where? If you told if you told me his goal at the weekend was his first of the season, I would have believed you. Go from the penalty spot. He's single-handedly yeah. keeping them up, but it's just n- not memorable at all, is it? No, but yeah, going back to West Brom. The, this is a team that's... with Alan St. Maxman in it. Yeah, hey, he's, dead. Maxman. he's dead at the minute. I know, but like just in general, like he should be playing under uh, our. He should be playing under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He should be told <laughs> to go. He should be go, told to go out and vibe because that's all he does. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> yeah, but that West Brom team is 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 not good at all. And it's weird as well, because the front three, as we've touched upon this season, Mateus Pereira, Grady Dean Gana, and even Callum Robinson, I'm not so sure about Carl and Grant, but they're like really like good technical footballers, and now they're playing underneath Big Sam. 
Like, if you whip in long balls to Callum Robinson, he's not going to score any for you. But he's cross-eyed as well, so he's not, he's going to make a, a mess of the whole thing at the best of times. He'll just miss the ball. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in West Brom. And they're trying to run up the red cards this season as well. They seem to be very ill-disciplined. Another one for Livermore this time. So you just can't allow that, even when you're, you've got Big Sam as your manager, who gets paid in pints of Visto gravy. So, you know, it doesn't cost the club much to give him a think, go. I think Big Sam's first action as West Brom coach was to take away the captaincy from Livermore. Yeah. I think Livermore was the captain and he took it off him, uh, right after that match. Who did he give Which it is to? fantastic. I have no idea, but he took it off him. Probably himself. Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could do a job. I, 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 would, I would say who I think it should go to, but I don't know any of the players in that team. I know Dean Gallagher. I know Pereira. Maybe. Kyle Bartley. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Partly right in the Premier Lugget. League. Ivanovic. Yeah, he's all right. Ivanovic, oh. yeah. Good leader. Yeah, I think Ivanovic played up front. I don't know. It was a couple of games ago. I'm pretty sure they put Ivanovic up front. Steven if, this West Brom, if this was the West Brom team in 2012, they would be sound. There's yeah. no way they go down. Yeah. Um, it's just a shame that most of them are in their 40s. Well, probably not quite. But. And I just want to say, I think next week in the podcast, we're going to be naming. I think our collective, I think if we were to do four teams of the year, it might get a bit long, but our collective team of the year for 2020. So if you want to submit in your team of the year for 2020 in the YouTube comments, send it to us on Instagram, Twitter, all our socials will be in the description. We're going to be doing that next week. But as we go on to the predictions league, and if I get the predictions league up here. I'm assuming I'm bottom at this stage. Kind of, kind of. It was a decent week for me because I got four points. So now you and Michael Ronan, you're on 38 points. I'm on 42. And James, you're on 45. So I'm creeping up to you, but you're still top. You're, you haven't been toppled quite yet. And the first game of St. Stephen's Day that we've got, or Boxing Day, depending on where you're from, or just nothing. Apparently, it's just like not a holiday in other places of the world. So there you go. But first game, lunchtime kickoff on the Saturday, half 12, Leicester at home to United. Basically, the exact same team play very similar football. And I think it's going to go somewhat similar to the game at King Power Stadium last year, where it was sort of do or die for both teams in terms of top four. And uh, again, I think our, our run away from home is going to continue. So I think Leicester are a team that's going to offer us some space. And ultimately, we're just better individually. So I, I could definitely see this going the other way. But I think United will probably have enough. Going to go 3-1. I was going to go 3-1 as well. I'm going to have to change that to 2-0 just to <laughs> vary up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I think, like you said, exact same team. Uh, Leicester aren't as good at home. United are better away. Uh, but then again, you don't know. Leicester might just decide to show up. But yeah, 2-0 uh, United. Oh, Ronan, you've, you've changed it up quite a bit there. Well, I'm going to go with Connell because he's not going to get a single point in me for the rest of the season because I'm just going to copy every scoreline he does. No, the integrity of the game. <laughs> I've broken the system. As long as uh, Mixer or uh, Ronan doesn't creep up on me. We've got it, we've got it, lads. I don't think um, there's much chance of that happening anyway. <laughs> no. <laughs> no um, so yeah, 3-1 United. I was tempted to maybe say, oh, you're going to invert the form and you know start winning at home and losing away. But you no, know, this Leicester team is going to offer you space. They're going in for top four as well. Jamie Vardy's going to be the one to get the goal. And 
you know, he's going to get the three FPL points. That's all I care about. So, you know, that's me in the mud. But uh, yeah, 3-1 United. Let's go. And I've got my prediction in here from Michael, who, of course, isn't on the podcast this week. I'm sure you'll have noticed by the Sid, if you're still listening. And he said 2-2 Leicester. So I don't know if that means he thinks Leicester will win 2-2. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's just showing in what game. But yeah, 2-2, he says. So he's he's back in a, a draw. The rest of us, United wins. Probably Leicester win now, isn't it? Anyway, next game, brilliant game, as we've already touched upon. Arsenal at home to Chelsea. I watched Chelsea yesterday and they won 3-0. Nothing to be sniffed at, but a lot of the performance wasn't, wasn't great now. And Arsenal... Kind of the only way is up. So I'm going to back them to get a result here. Well, some sort of result. I'm going to go 1-1. I think it'll be a bit of a drab game. Arsenal recognise that they're not very good. They'll sit back. They'll try and hit in the counter. And they'll be kind of successful. 1-1. I feel like Chelsea are either going to win 5-0 or Arsenal are going to win 2-0. Um, I'm just going to be contrary and go for Arsenal 2-0. Uh, they haven't won a game in a while. I don't think. Not they're probably due. Yeah, they're probably due one. Um, uh, I don't really know why I would ever back Arsenal, but I'm doing it this week. Two 0 You fool! I'm gonna go for the. Looking at the the team sheet, I see Mason Mount topped off with Tommy Abraham. Put down the phone. Right, we'll not get I'm angry. Frank, it's nil all. It's eighty one minutes gone. Get Tommy off. He's been wearing the Timberlands all day. <laughs> <laughs> And the jeans. And the jeans. He yeah. has more goals than Werner in the Eagles. And season, Werner bro. comes on, rolled in, and he shushes you. You particular. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he gets he gets two goals, and it's going to be two nil. Or uh, it's going to be two nil Chelsea uh, in a late fashion. And we've got the prediction in from Michael just now. I have him on the line, and he says four nil Chelsea, four nil Chelsea. So he's going emphatic in typical Michael fashion. Okay, next game. Another good game, to be honest. Good set of festive fixtures. Wolves at its home to Spurs. And again, they lost 2-1 to Burnley yesterday. Looked thoroughly unimpressive. Um, 2-0 Spurs. Haven't got an awful lot more to add. I think just individual quality will carry them past a pretty uninspirational Wolves team. Um, Fabio Silva is Andy Carroll with an EU passport. I don't like him at all. Um, he's played a few times a season and I thought he's it, he hasn't impressed me once his first touch is awful score a penalty it was really weird right he scored the I don't, actually no I'm not going to slash uh, probably I don't know 1-0 Spurs uh, I don't really like um, watching either teams this season because uh, like last year Wolves were really fun to watch counter-attacking football they just don't play that way anymore Nuno decided that he didn't want to play that way anymore for whatever reason even though it was working but yeah Someone needs to have a word at Wolves, whoever's in charge of transfers, mm. getting rid of Matt Doherty and Diogo Jota for, it was basically Fabio Silva, wasn't it? And uh, Nelson Smedo. Smedo, Smedo, awful. He's terrible. <laughs> He's terrible. No, but honestly, like Fabio, ah, right, no. Fabio Silva scored the penalty and the, the commentators, I think it was on Premier Sport, which is the Irish channel, and the commentators were like, oh, it's a brilliant penalty, brilliant composure for youngsters. Like, I swear to God, if teenagers do anything in the Premier League, they just get hyped up so much. It annoys me because he played terrible up until that point. Oh, to be fair, he wasn't on for too long. You know, there's, there's big problems in that team. Like they look very toothless without uh, Raul. What's your prediction for this, James? 
Right, so uh, I'm going to go for a Spurs 4-1 win here. Pretty emphatic. A lot invested in that last Wolves game. And that Burnley defence, if you just hit them with a lot of quality and like, look, look, instead of Wood, imagine Kane at that on Patricio's uh, near post. So it's just going to be, it's going to be a nightmare for them. So yeah, 4-1 Spurs. And we've got Mix on the line and he has said 3-1 to Spurs. So we're all sure that Spurs are going to win this weekend. Anyway, the next one is, it's a bit of a weird one. It's like a relegation sort of battle for Europe. I try to be creative with selecting these fixtures. We've got Fulham at home to Southampton. Pretty tough one to call. I think Fulham will probably cause some problems because there's a bit of expectation in Southampton now that they're decent. And... Yeah, I think they'll just get over the line at Craven Cottage. 1-0 win for Southampton. 6-2 Southampton. I haven't got for Marron this week. Danny Ings is back. Chams is a great man. I, I love Aston Hootel. Danny Ings is still... there again, Rowan. Is he? All right. Well, then... City again, yeah. All right, well then I'll go for 5-2 so, because I'll have a little bit less attacking <laughs> press. I don't know. I never know how to predict these games because... <sighs> They're not teams I watch every week. I'm just the ones that I watch like every second or third week, uh, unless they're like playing the big teams because I normally always watch those matches. Um, yeah, still don't think Fulham are brilliant. They've maybe been a little bit better the last few weeks, but they're still not great. It's five two Southampton. I think that he needs to play Stuart Armstrong from the get go in this game. You know, get a bit more defensive solidity. I think the sacrifice too much against City, and you know that's what cost them. Um, so you can always bring on. Dinepo if you need, but uh, yeah, 2 0 Southampton win. Let's go. Che Adams will lead the line for them. And again, I've got Mixer on the line and he says 3 2 Southampton. He's on the line, he just hasn't bothered to join the podcast. <laughs> right. So, yeah, we've all predicted a Southampton win as well. And then the last game, there was past the sort of first three fixtures, obviously, we said, and then Fulham Southampton's all right. After that, there's not really great ones, so it might come down to goal difference this one. Liverpool at home to West Brom. Can't imagine anyone's going to predict any upsets here. I'm going to go with a 4-0 win to Liverpool myself. Uh, I was kind of half-tempted to go with like a 0-0 because Big Sam, his first proper game in, you know, with preparation, they'll be well drilled. But nah, like West Brom, they're just terrible. 4-0 Liverpool. Um, anytime, any, well, actually, I'm glad Mix was not on the podcast this week because anytime he's on the podcast and predicts Liverpool in these games... We don't end up winning. Who was the last? Yeah, yeah. Fulham was the last one. He said we beat them six 0 It was one all. Said we beat Villa six 0 and we lost seven two. Um, I'm going to go for one nil again. I'm never predicting a big win for Liverpool ever again. I'm just going to go for a standard enough three nil win for Liverpool. I don't think the goals are going to fly in this time. Probably rotate a few men about. Be an interesting team to see who gets selected. Yeah, three nil Liverpool. And Mixer has said 4-1 Liverpool. So I, I kind of thought one of these would be a contrarian and say 1-0 West Brom. Big Sam, he's going to get the job done. But no, it's thoroughly uninteresting predictions for this weekend because there's a jersey here at stake. I don't know if I reminded listeners, whoever wins the prediction league will win a random jersey courtesy of the other three. But thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Christmas, it's nearly here. and We've got the festive football season starting on St. Stephen's Day or Boxing Day, Saturday the 26th of December with some great games. There'll be football literally all the time, seemingly. Even United are playing tomorrow in the League Cup, Carabao Cup against Everton. So thanks very much for listening. 
As always, our socials are in the description. If you can like, subscribe, follow us, rate us, whatever you can do on your platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc. We appreciate that very much. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and we'll be back again next week to discuss our team of the year for 2020. Merry Christmas. Podcast Network.